Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.46 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is the 7th day, December the 7th. December the 7th. What happened on December the 7th? I'll let you go ahead and ponder that one. December the 7th, 2023. And this is episode 830 of Bitcoin and Jamie Dimon causing a ruckus. We've got some announcements out of Jack. Uh, what else is going on? The U.S. Supreme Court is having an argument placed in front of them that I don't think very many people know about. Uh, it's a bad one, too, and it doesn't directly at all deal with Bitcoin, although it does <clears throat> deal indirectly with Bitcoin. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that, I promise. Uh, let's see, what else we got going on here? Uh, Russia is debuting cross-border payments with Tether. I'm not sure if that's actually the Russian government or not. We'll find out together. And Sotheby's, yeah, Bitcoin ordinals at the auction house that is Sotheby's, and that's going to probably cause some some issues as well. What else we got going on? Preston uh, has some stuff. <laughs> He's got some stuff about FinCEN that I think you should probably know about. Uh, Jan 3rd, uh, that is Samson Moe's, or uh, actually, it's is it Samson Moe? Yeah, Samson Moe. Uh, is the way you pronounce his last name Mo. I used to pronounce it Mal, but it's not. It's actually like Mo the Lawn. Anyway, they're launching a new division uh, for their company. We'll talk about that. Unchained is in the news. We've got some Apple stuff in the news, and then we're going to get into some Stacker Dot news because they've introduced territories. We'll get into all of that. But first, we're going to do the J.P. Morgan. CEO Jamie Jamie Dimon telling Congress that, you know, he'd close down Bitcoin and crypto. And this is Nick Hoffman writing for Bitcoin magazine testifying. He testified before the U.S. Congress. Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, stirred controversy by expressing his negative opinion on the Bitcoin and crypto markets. The renowned banking executive stated that if he held a position in the United States government, he would close down Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Jesus. God. Uh, For fuck's sake. Let's, you know what? Let's, let me see if I can get this, uh, get this going on and we'll, uh, we'll do it. Today's terrorists have a new way to get around the Bank Secrecy Act, cryptocurrency. Last year, an estimated $20 billion in illicit crypto transactions funded every kind 
of dangerous criminal. North Korea has funded at least half its missile program, including nuclear weapons, using the proceeds of crypto crime. And Israeli officials have confirmed that Hamas received millions of dollars through crypto transactions, including, quote, large sums from Iran. Mr. Diamond, you've been CEO of J.P. Morgan for almost two decades. Can you explain why crypto is such an attractive financial tool for terrorists, drug traffickers, and rogue nations? I've always been deeply opposed to crypto, Bitcoin, etc. You pointed out the only true use case for it is criminals, drug traffickers, anti-money laundering, tax avoidance. And that is a use case uh, because it is somewhat anonymous, not fully, and because you can move money instantaneously and because it doesn't go through, as you mentioned, all these systems have been built up over many years, you know your customers, sanctions, OFAC, it's, they can get bypass all of that. I, if I was the government, I'd close it down. Diamond who has been historically critical about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, reiterated his concerns regarding how the asset can be used. He emphasized that the government has the power to enforce strict regulations or even shut down the entire crypto space. Quote, I've always been deeply opposed to crypto, Bitcoin, etc., said Diamond. The true case for its use is criminals, drug traffickers, anti-money laundering, tax avoidance. And that is a use case, end quote. Diamond's stance echoes his previous sentiments regarding Bitcoin as he once labeled it a fraud and warned investors about its speculative nature. However, he has also acknowledged the underlying technology, blockchain, as having potential applications in various industries. Quote, it is somewhat anonymous, but not fully. And because you can move money instantaneously, because it doesn't go through, you know, your customer sanctions, OFAC, you know, they can bypass all of that. And if I were the government, I'd shut it down. Diamond continued. Bitcoin has faced criticism from several influential financial figures, such as Diamond, due to its decentralized nature and perceived risks. It is important to note that while the government could be hostile towards the industry working in the United States, no government could close down the decentralized Bitcoin network. <coughs> All right, so that's the article. And it should have already illustrated a fundamental misunderstanding that Mr. Diamond has about, well, a great many things, but Bitcoin included. What, and what is that? You kind of can't shut it down. Now, sure, different countries can implement different rules and possibly even getting into the internet structures or infrastructures of those particular countries, maybe certain filtering can go in. Maybe certain packet sniffers can be installed and you find your IP address if you're running a Bitcoin full node. But honestly, I don't think that I, I get the feeling that let's say all that occurs. But you're just, you're just pissing off the citizenry. And the citizenry of the world, not just individual countries, the world's citizenry has had enough. We, we really have. We, we are on the edge of full-scale worldwide revolution between the citizens and their respective governments. 
And it's if that breaks out, it's going to be violent. There's no there's no peaceful solution to to what ha- what we have allowed to occur through our apathy, apathy and willful distraction or the government because of what they continuously put as burdens on the citizenry of the world. Now you start adding in where they knock on your door because you're running a Bitcoin full node and or a lightning node. You need a Bitcoin full node to do a lightning node, but be that as it may, and start knocking on your door because of it. And you're just going to add fuel to the fire that is just, it's just about to explode. You can see it. You can sense it everywhere in the world. And that is the greatest fundamental misunderstanding of all of these people that sit in these rooms with television cameras upon them, talking to each other as if we don't exist. Or if we do exist, that we exist in a state that is basically non-human, that we are cattle, chattel, we're just these things that walk around that do stuff. It's bad, and it's going to get worse, especially when we get to the Reuters story about what the U.S. Supreme Court is talking about. But be that as it may, here is my understanding of what's going on here when people like Jamie Dimon say, just shut it down. Okay. If there is something in the water system of like, let's say, I don't know, Dallas, Texas, you know, the the municipal water system, the utility that is the water system where you get water pouring out of your tap when you turn it on. All right. But that's something is actually good for you. And it's being put into the system by somebody who is quote unquote, not sanctioned by the city of Dallas, Texas to have anything to do with that water system. But it, but the thing that's good for the people to ingest, then I'm not going to say fluoride because I don't think fluoride's good for you, but let's say something else. I don't know. I, it doesn't matter. Just figure out anything. And somebody Satoshi Nakamoto like has injected it into the water system. And nobody knows where that injection point is. But this substance is now in the, is entirely in the water system. It's mixed continuously with the water. But they, somebody like Jamie Dimon now says, we've got to get it out of the water system. Just shut it down. What if you have multiple injection points into that water system? What are you going to shut down? The only thing that you can shut down is the utility itself, which means nobody in the city of Dallas, Texas, we're talking millions, of, a couple of million people, are going to have water. And they're not going to have water because for from then on, as a service, as a utility, because they'll never be able to find all the injection points. And every time they try to turn it back on, it's going to be the same shit. And then Jamie Dimon goes and bitches to Elizabeth Warren, hey, we got to shut down the water system. You see what I'm saying? The thing that is Bitcoin is now, it it has always been really so intertwined with quote unquote, the communications protocol that we call the internet, that the only way to get rid of it, i.e. shut it down, is to shut the entire internet down in every country that does not want Bitcoin to be happening in. All you want to see cities be lit on fire? 
you won't be able to pay your bills. You won't be able to do banking. You, the banks won't be able to do banking. Sure, I guess they'll have some conduits, but smaller banks, forget it. It would just be like Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo. It would just be that. That would be the only thing left that would have kind of any kind of internet access whatsoever. But everybody else, forget about it. That's not going to happen. It's just there. There might be some people that try that kind of shit, but it's just when you get into the larger population centers, forget about it. So all my my prescription here is that all freedom technology should be so intertwined. We should make it to where we force the intertwining of the freedom tech with the already standing utilities of the world, be it electricity, internet, water, you name it, whatever is a utility that serves the largest population base should be the thing that we wrap our stuff, our freedom tech into so that the only way to shut it down is to actually shut down the utility itself. And again, you want to see cities burn to the ground? Do that and you'll watch cities burn to the ground. Now, continuing on with J.P. Morgan, it's come to the attention of a lot of people because, you know, we keep talking about it all the time, is just how much J.P. Morgan has been fined for illegal, illicit financial activity themselves. And sure, we can bandy about the number of 39 mil, sorry, excuse me, penalties since 2000 is $39 billion, specifically $39,322,669,157 with a total number of infractions of 272. The top five offense groups, the top five offenses as grouped together that has been committed by J.P. Morgan are as follows. Financial offenses, number of records, number of financial offenses, 116. Total penalties, $26.64 billion. That's billion with a B, ladies and gentlemen. Consumer protection-related offenses, 63 records totaling $8.61 billion. Competition-related offenses, 28 records, $2.4 billion. Government contracting-related offenses, one record, $614 million, that's with an M, million dollars. And employment-related offenses, 48, one-half of $1 billion. The top five primary offense types, toxic securities abuses, there's seven records. Investor protection violations, 79 records. Mortgage abuses, five records. Banking violations, 14 records. Consumer protection violations, 42 records. Okay, just let that shit sink in. These people have committed 40, what, $40 billion worth of offenses against their customers, the government, their employees, their competition, and just financial offenses in general. And mind you, mind you, that $290 million was a penalty that J.P. Morgan had to pay 
the abuse victims of Jeffrey Epstein. So what the fuck is that about? I don't know. You tell me. These people are criminals. These people are... Elizabeth Warren is a criminal. Jamie Dimon and his gag gaggle of of you know miscreants they're they're criminals as well. We're being run by a complete mafia. It's 100% fascist at this point and I'm not talking about the woke idealism thing of fascist where everybody hates orange man and shit like that. I'm talking about actual dyed in the wool true 100% god sent fascism. Private industry cozying up to government to force everybody out of every market that they can possibly force out so that they have a complete 100% monopoly on business, finance, and everything else that ha- that lies in between those two things. This criminal. They act in a criminal way. Now, here's some other criminal shit. United States Supreme Court is wary of upending tax on Americans' foreign earnings. Yeah, terrible, terrible headline. You'll understand the meat of it here, written by Andrew Chung and John Krusel for Reuters.com. U.S. Supreme Court justices on Tuesday appeared hesitant to upend a tax on Americans who have invested in certain, certain foreign corporations as they pondered the meaning of, quote, income, in a case that could undermine efforts by some Democratic lawmakers to impose a wealth tax on the very rich. Yeah, very rich means everybody in the United States. The justices heard arguments in an appeal by Charles and Kathleen Moore, a retired couple from Redmond, Washington, of a lower court's decision rejecting their challenge on the tax on foreign company earnings, even though those profits have not been distributed to shareholders. The case also has drawn attention because, be, hold on, because some Democratic lawmakers have urged Justice Samuel Alito to recuse himself because of his ties to one of the lawyers for the plaintiffs. Alito has refused that recusal. The one-time, quote, mandatory reparation, or sorry, the mandatory repatriation tax, or the MRT, is part of a Republican-backed law signed by former President Donald Trump in 2017. It applies to owners of at least 10% of a foreign company controlled by Americans. At issue in the case was whether this tax on unrealized gains, keep, that's the, that's the operative phrase, the tax on unrealized gains is allowed under the United States Constitution 16th Amendment, which enabled Congress to collect taxes on incomes. The Moors, backed by the Competitive Enterprise Institute and other conservative and business groups, contend that income means only those gains that are realized through payment to the taxpayer, not a mere increase in the value of said property. Alito, a member of the court's 6-3 to three conservative majority, pressed U.S. Solicitor General Elizabeth Prelogor, however you pronounce it, arguing on behalf of President Joe Biden's administration about the limits of congressional taxation power over wealth. Alito gave the example of a startup company founder who began a business in a garage and decades later is a billionaire. Quote, the appreciation in stock value over 20 to 30 years 
Could Congress say we want to reach back and tax all of that as the economic gain between two periods of time? Mm. The Moors, the family and the the couple in question, are seeking a refund of nearly $14,700. Okay, it's not much. I mean, it's a lot to a lot of people, but in the grand scheme of things, 14 grand, 15 grand, that's not all that much. But anyway, they are seeking a refund of 15 grand in taxes that the law required them to pay as minority shareholders in a company in Bangalore, India called Kizencraft that supplies equipment to farmers. Some justices signaled the possibility of upholding the tax by attributing the income earned by the foreign company to its shareholders. Quote, even assuming or leaving open whether realization is a constitutional requirement, there was realized income here to the entity that is attributed to the shareholders in a manner consistent with how Congress has done that. And this course has allowed, conservative Justice Brent Kavanaugh told Preloger, however you pronounce it. Some justices expressed concern that a ruling favoring the Moors could imperil a wider array of tax code provisions, including those related to other business entities, such as partnerships, limited liability companies, and S corporations. Quote, your definition, I think, would affect the government's ability to tax those individual shareholders, liberal justice Sonia Sotomayor told Andrew Grossman, an attorney for the Moors. The Justice Department has said that a ruling by the Supreme Court invalidating the mandatory repatriation tax could cost the U.S. government $340 billion over the next decade and potentially far more if the decision invalidates other tax provisions as well. Such a ruling could thwart legislative proposals favored by some Democrats, including Senator Elizabeth Warren, for a tax on the net worth, meaning all assets and not just income of super rich Americans. A ruling is expected by the end of June. All right. Oh, Kieran, zap me 21,000 Satoshis. Thank you, brother. Global threat, 21 Satoshis. Thank you. I appreciate both of you. That's amazing, guys. Amazing. Okay, look, what is it? So, what does all that shit mean? Right now, they're talking about unrealized capital gains on investments in foreign institutions outside of the United States by United States citizenry and corporate, uh, United States held corporations. So, I invest in a company in Bangalore, India. Their stock price increases 10%. I don't take that out as cash. And I'm supposed to pay taxes on those unrealized gains. That's what this is. Now, they always say, oh, but it's only for the rich. Bullshit. That's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. It's utter bullshit. Because it always goes down to everybody else. Everybody in the United States is super rich as far as these people are concerned. The poorest of the poor is super freaking rich, according to these people. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. This is a wholesale assault. This is the other end of what they really wanted in 1913 in the 16th Amendment and the Federal Reserve System. The Federal Reserve System and the United States income tax, was they were both done at the same time. 
if you didn't know that, I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me, even me to fathom. And I've known it for years now. I there was a time when I didn't, but now that I do, and I certainly, I sure as shit can't unsee it. So it's a wholesale assault on the citizenry of the world, the citizenry of at least the United States. Canada will be next if they haven't already done it. I, I don't know. I'm not a Canadian citizen, so I don't keep up with that. But this is you, this means that if you live in a house, and it, even if it's, let's just for shits and giggles, you buy a house 20 years ago, it's paid off, you're living in that house, this thing passes, all of a sudden you get a tax bill for the unrealized capital gains on the house. You bought it at 100K 20 years ago. It is now worth a million dollars. You now owe 20% on $900,000. You haven't cashed it out. You don't have that. What do they do? They're going to take your property. This shit cannot be allowed to, to, to go forward. It just can't. And everybody's at fault, blue and red and the citizenry and everybody else that has anything to do with being in the United States. We're all guilty for letting this shit get here. I don't know what to do about it. I wish I did. I wish I had a solution. The only thing that I can figure is to start a a foreign, be a, a United States citizen Start a company that does is not in the United States that's actually, I don't know, maybe El Salvador. An El Salvadoran-style LLC, and then somehow or another transfer the property that you own or any property that you want to get in the future and have it held by an offshore company that is registered not in the United States, registered completely somewhere else that holds your shit and somehow or another, you just turn into an officer of that company. You don't actually even take a, you don't get any income out of it whatsoever. I, that's the only thing that I can think of doing it. I don't even know if it's legal. I'm sure it probably is, but I don't know how to execute on that. But this is getting to the point where moving to Central America, Costa Rica, El Salvador, somewhere around there is starting to look better and better and better. And I don't know if I'd be able to execute on that. I don't want to leave the United States. But this is the same fucking reason that people in Nicaragua leave Nicaragua. They don't want to, but shit got so bad that they had to. They had to. This is ridiculous. Every way you slice it, it's awful. It's awful. But we do have some Bitcoin news. Jack Dorsey and his company Block has released BitKey Bitcoin hardware wallet for pre-order. Bitcoin Magazine Nick Hoffman tells us more. In a move aimed at democratizing access to self-custody, and you're going to need it for Bitcoin, Block Incorporated, led by Jack Dorsey, has finally launched the pre-order for its new hardware wallet, BitKey, according to the press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. This new Bitcoin wallet seeks to redefine ownership and security for BTC hodlers worldwide, launching today across more than 95 countries spanning six continents. BitKey aims to empower users by providing easy and secure management of their Bitcoin. 
Currently, the vast majority of Bitcoin owners store their holdings on custodial platforms or exchanges. Please don't do that. BitKey aims to offer a new custody solution by introducing a multifaceted approach to self-custody without the complexities associated with traditional hardware wallets. Now, that's all we've got to say about that. There's some more to it, but basically I don't want it to just be a long-standing advertisement. But BitKey has been talked about for quite a while. The only thing that I don't like about it is that it includes a fingerprint thing, but as long, I don't know. I don't like that. I don't like biometrics. I just don't, I don't, I don't. I don't like anything that even remotely looks like biometrics, and this one has it. It doesn't mean that I'm suggesting that you don't go buy it. If that if biometrics is something that doesn't bother you, well, you know, then BitKey may be a solution for you. If you just don't want to get into like cold cards or, or you know, treasures or anything like that, then this may be for you. But they've been talking about it forever. It's now finally launched. I think it's, let's see if I can find a price on it. Um, from what I understand, it's going to be selling for 195 bucks somewhere around there. So you can uh, figure it out for yourself. Uh, over to Russia. Russia has debuted cross-border payments in the Tether stablecoin, Helen Parts Coin Telegraph. <clears throat> One of Russia's first cross-border payment platforms has officially announced its launch and says it will facilitate local legal entities to process international settlements in cryptocurrency. XVED, a local digital settlement platform, announced the launch on December the 7th, stating that Russian importers and exporters can now use its business-to-business solution to simplify the process of foreign exchange operations and foreign economic activity. Jamie Dimon is not going to be happy about this. The XVED platform specifically allows one to proceed with cross-border transaction using Tether stablecoin alongside the offshore ruble and the United States dollar. Quote, the platform works exclusively with legal entities in compliance with AML and CTF, uh, counter-terrorist financing measures. The goal of the project is to help Russian legal entities make cross-border payments without intermediaries at minimum market rates, end quote. According to the announcement, XVED's launch has involved major industry partners, including NDFI Bank, which launched the decentralized crypto ruble project in 2022. NDFI Smart Bank co-founder and CEO Sergey Mendeleev told Cointelegraph on December the 7th that XVED's internal mechanics have been tested and approved by the Bank of Russia and the Federal Financial Monitoring Service of the Russian Federation. <laughs> That's all we need to know. This is a private company. And yet it is sanctioned by the Central Bank of Russia and Russia's financial monitoring service. This is, this is just fodder, fuel for the fire that is the ongoing love fest between Elizabeth Warren and Jamie Dimon. They're going to say, see the Russians. Because they've turned the Russians over the past Four years, or well, probably, I guess since uh, Trump got uh, into office in 2016, Russia has been turned into the boogeyman once again. If you don't remember the Cold War, let me just tell you this. The Russians were turned into the boogeyman to scare the living piss out of 
every single citizen of the Western countries, which I'm pretty sure they weren't as bad as all that. I mean, just, it's like, we were literally told that the Russians wanted to kill us. And I'm pretty sure that the Russians just were like, just don't fuck with us. But be that as it may, the Cold War ended and, you know, everything thawed. And, you know, like uh, President Ronald Reagan started really having good relationships with Russia. And then we started having good relationships with Russia all the way up until Orange Man. And then Russia became the devil again. And now they're going to be used as the financial devil. I guarantee, watch. Watch Jamie Dimon and Elizabeth Warren and the rest of those idiots start talking about, see, Russia, Bitcoin. Even though this doesn't use Bitcoin, this is used as Tether, but it will be Bitcoin's fault. Be prepared for that FUD, which is coming up. All right, let's go ahead and run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities, oil is down yet again today. West Texas Intermediate down a third to $69.14. Brent North Sea down a half to $73.91. This is not making Saudi Arabia happy at all, I guarantee it. Natural gas, too, is down a third to $2.56 a thousand. Gasoline is down 1.14% to just over, and I mean just a hair, over $2 a gallon. Gold is down a tenth of a point to $2,045. Silver is down almost a full point. Platinum is up 2.18. Copper is up 1.67. And palladium rallying 3.19 points to the upside. Almost all ag is in the green today except for lumber, which is down a full point. The biggest winner today is cotton, 3.76% to the upside. Live cattle is down just a hair. Lean hogs are down a third of a point. Feeder cattle are up almost a point. The Dow is up two-tenths of a point. S&P is up 0.77%. NASDAQ is up one and a half. And the S&P mini is up a third of a point. Bond yields are mostly red today, so the yields have been crushed a little bit more. However, the 20 and 30-year bonds are actually up, but not, not enough to actually talk about. The DXY, the dollar index, is down 0.64% to 103.51. Now, for the price of Bitcoin, which is being squelched probably because of the Diamond and Warren news, $43,355 is what I'm seeing. Uh, I got uh, average transaction values are 1.1 BTC. Median transaction values are... Oh, $509, so ordinals are kind of relaxing a little bit. Uh, Block times are very high, though, damn near 12 full minutes per block creation. Uh, 1.6 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 189.8 taken in fees overall in the last 24-hour period. With a 3.37% increase in hash rate, we are only at 448.3 exahashes per second. Hash rate has dropped precipitously over the last couple of days, and I don't know why. Dogecoin is your shitcoin indicator, 9.6 United States pennies. 
850 billion dollars is the market cap of Bitcoin right now. That is 6.23% of gold's market cap and you may purchase 21.5 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin of which there are 19,563,293 of and 5036.9 of those are in the Lightning network now valued at 218.6 million dollars. Uh, 14,597 nodes that we can see, 61,215 payment channels that we know about. Mempools, as you might imagine, are packed and stacked. We're looking at 340 blocks carrying how many? Oh, uh, a quarter of a million unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear at high priority cost of 114 Satoshis per V-byte. Low priority going to cost you 86. So yes, we've gotten some relaxation on fees. However, anything below 10.9 Satoshis per V-byte are being purged from mempools around the world. Hash rate according to mempool.space is 404 exahashes per second. So we're looking at, we were over, we were somewhere around 600 and we've lost almost 200 exahashes per second in like three days. I have no idea what the hell's going on with that, but whatever, we've got other things to do. Fatoshi keeps trying to give me 21,021 sats. It's not working. He says, I keep boosting, but my wallet doesn't go down. Sorry, brother. (laughs) It's okay, man. We're, this is all new. It's still new. It's still very, very new. Okay, don't worry about it. Dubrovko with 1370 says, thank you, Lars Ulrich. You formed my first favorite band. Give us that forever gift of the commercial about sharing a soda and 15 plus years of groupies. And you lacked vision enough to keep freedom within our grasp. Yeah, he wasn't helping with the whole bitching and moaning about Napster, but whatever. God's Death with 370 says, Thank you, sir. Yeehaw, bitches. <laughs> Yeehaw yourself. Pies with 100, thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use Auction House Sotheby's announces its first ever sale of a Bitcoin Ordinals collection, December the 7th. Zero day. <sighs> Sad to see, but it's decrypt.co written by Stephen Graves, and we'll get into it right here. Sotheby's is to sell a Bitcoin Ordinals collection in a first for the 279-year-old auction house, the sale of pieces from Bitcoin Shrooms, an ordinals project by pseudonymous artist Shroom Toshi, is the first time works from the collection will be made available to the public. The collection consists of a series of pixel art pieces that reference Bitcoin's history and underlying principles, including meme and technical concepts. In a statement, Shroom Toshi called the collection a pixelated recap of Bitcoin's 13-year history that serves as a tool to raise awareness about Bitcoin and its core principles while critiquing its, quote, annoying pop elements and aberrations. Describing Shroom Toshi as a trailblazing figure in the ordinal ecosystem, Sotheby's head of digital art, Michael Buhana, 
said that the digital art collection, quote, captures the cryptocurrency zeitgeist through nostalgic and hyper-referential modes. God, talk about hyperbole. Quote, Shroom Toshi operates in subtle mystery in the vein of Satoshi Nakamoto's mystique, aiming to educate and inspire appreciation for the cultural and technological revolution of Bitcoin, Buhana added. God's sakes, three pieces from the collection are currently on sale. S, a shroom sporting the letter S on its head, short for self-sovereignty. The Sovereign Individual, a shroom that references the 1998 book by William Rees Moog and James Dale Davidson. And third, BIP39 Seed, an avocado seed character named for the cryptographic standard for generating seed phrases. The prices for each of the artworks are set at between twenty and thirty thousand dollars United States dollars. With Sotheby's also accepting bids in crypto. The auction ends December the thirteenth at twelve PM Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin ordinals, we won't we know what Bitcoin ordinals are. Um let's see if they get have anything other than a description of ordinals. Other than this, uh, ordinals have come under criticism. Okay, so here you go. Why, why even bring it to you? Well, because you know I'm not an ordinals fan. Because Sotheby's is now auctioning ordinals for the first time, that adds fuel to the ordinals fire. That's why I'm telling you. Because now ordinals have, quote-unquote, gone mainstream you can expect to see ordinals not only not die, but to gain gain steam and momentum. Which leads us to talking just a little bit about Luke Dash Jr. and Jack Dorsey's decision with Ocean.xyz to filter ordinals. Now, I've told you on several occasions that my stance is that there, if first... As always, my theorem, if Bitcoin allows a thing to be done, then that thing will be done on Bitcoin. Okay, that's the standing order of the day. Censorship is bad. It's bad for everybody. However, think of it this way. See, this is one of of the problems with people that say, well, you shouldn't have guns, but I want my right to free speech. Let's let's couch it in terms like that. Um, I am a big proponent of every single amendment in the Bill of Rights of the Constitution of the United States. I'm also a big proponent of the, some of the amendments that come after the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights is the first 10 amendments. Amendment 1 through 10 is the Bill of Rights. The Constitution would never have been ratified had not all 10 of those been in the Bill of Rights. Right to vote for women, I, I approve. I think women should have the right to vote. I mean, I know other people don't, but I do. And there's a couple of other amendments after the Bill of Rights that, that you know, piss me off. And there's others that I do care about, like the repealing of prohibition had to be done as an amendment. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to drink a beer in the United States. So thank God for that one. But if you're somebody who says, I don't think you should have the Second Amendment, but I want you to protect my First Amendment. It does not work that way. It does not work that way. 
For those people that don't like the Ninth and Tenth Amendments, that has more to do with states' rights. But you want the right to carry firearms and not have people come into your house and search through your papers and your private correspondence. Well, sorry for you. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. For, for those people that don't want freedom of speech but do want states' rights, it doesn't work that way. You protect them all or you're against all of them and protect none. Now, that's me couching what I'm about to say. I am not a fan of the fact that Luke Dash Jr. has taken it upon himself not only to filter ordinals, although it looks like some ordinals have gotten through, I'm not sure about that, but there is filtering going on. That seems relatively evident. But now there are some whirlpool transactions that are also being, there's a full blacklist, okay? Full blacklist on this bullshit that has been discovered in the code that Ocean is running in their mining pool, right? That's a blacklist. There are certain things that are just getting filtered out so we know filtering is occurring. I'm not a fan. But if I were to force Luke Dash Jr., and by the way, I can't, but let's say I could, hold him at gunpoint, I don't know, something like that, and say, you better stop doing this or I'm going to shoot you. I'm not a fan of that either because I am actually censoring. (laughs) I'm actually censoring Luke Dash Jr. And censorship is a form of violence. In fact, if you look up the term violence in a dictionary, most of the most of part of the definition or in most dictionaries, part of the definition is going to include being edited, having your words changed. Right, That's a form of censorship, and that is violence. So me and the rest of us forcing Luke to do something that he really believes in is just as bad as me trying to get Luke to censor ordinals. You see how that works? If I truly want something that is, if I truly don't want censorship then I have to allow other people to do their own censorship. For instance, I run a Bitcoin full note. I have every option at my disposal to go set a parameter in my Bitcoin full node to not accept, to not validate transactions that are under a certain weight. Uh, or like, you know, how much data is in there? Right. Or, or that there's too much data. I could do it that way too. Right. Just in that way, I would be able to censor from my own node ordinals. And I might very well do that because I'm getting tired of these things getting into my hard drive and stacking them up. And you'll say, but David, that censorship, ah, but only for me, I have the ability to make a decision as to what I will run what I will allow to be stored on my hard drive, what I will allow to be validated. I also have censorship in what I will read. I'm not going to go into a library and read every single book. I'm going to go only read the books that I have an interest in. That is a form of self-censorship. I think that that's okay. 
as long as you're not forcing your censorship on somebody else, that's okay. So at the same time that Luke is violating what I think censorship is, if I want to actually remain somebody who wants censorship resistance, I cannot tell Luke what to do with his fucking mining pool. It's almost enough to drive you insane. But if you, like, for instance, if one of the amendments in the Bill of Rights was all park benches have to be painted red in the United States, then I would defend that amendment because allowing that amendment to be labeled as stupid and frivolous and therefore needs to be pulled out of the Bill of Rights would then degrade the ability for me to protect the amendments I do give a shit about. And when I, for a couple of shows, I was talking about do the hard so that you can make it easy. This is one of those things that is about doing the hard. You do the hard thing. It doesn't mean that you've got a rah-rah for Luke Dash Jr. and Jack Dorsey. And it doesn't mean that I can tell you not to speak ill about those two gentlemen. But I do recommend and highly suggest that your censorship you should keep for yourself and let everybody else do whatever the hell it is that they want to do, even though it impacts you. If you are a full node runner and you hate ordinals, then go discover the hard and make it easy for yourself to learn how to turn that shit off because you can. I don't know exactly how yet, but I'm, I'm, I literally am like a cut hair away from trying to figure out how to turn my shit on so that I can stop ordinals being validated from my node. I can do that, but I'm not going to force anybody else to do something that they don't want to do. All right. So I, I know that that may be confusing as hell. That's why it's hard. That's exactly why it's hard. Now, we'll get off of that and go right into Preston. <clears throat> Preston Pish has a note on, on Prime, or, well, on Noster, and he says, All right, fellow psychopaths, I need your help. For a few weeks now, I've been drafting a turnkey response to FinCEN and their absurd proposal to CVC mixing and a few other things. I want you to take action and use what I wrote in this proposal to post comments into the register. Less than a minute to perform and all the links are in the document. Okay, so then he puts up, you know, the the uh, link to egodeath.capital forward slash blog and to this thing, which I am going to go ahead and open right now. Everybody's seen this note on Noster. You can't get away from it. So why the hell am I talking about it? Have you opened the link? Have you opened the actual link? Because that's one of the problems with short notes on Noster or tweets on Twitter. It's it's a marketing thing. How do you impart the most amount of information you can in the shortest amount of time possible to do two things? One, to grab somebody's attention, and two, to let them know what you're trying to tell them. Because I didn't want to open it either. And when I did open it, I'm like, God, words, lots of words. I've got to read all the words. Well, let me just read you the headline of, or the title of this piece. It says, 
How FinCEN may be violating your rights. A call to action against FinCEN proposal 2023-0016A. All right. An overview of the FinCEN proposal that Preston is trying to get you to write comments to. Section 1, unreasonable search and seizure. That violates our Fourth Amendment as United States citizens. FinCEN is not a United States governmental or regulatory body. It's European. Quote, they'll tell you that it's worldwide, but it's really just European. Why do the Europeans have anything at all to say about anything that would violate one of the amendments of the Bill of Rights? That's why you should probably be looking at Preston's piece. Number section two, freedom of speech and association is under attack by this proposal from FinCEN. In section three, they attack your right to financial privacy. Need I go on? You see how this see how this is how this is actually working? Let me do a couple at section five. Right to be secure in personal information. That's a direct violation of the Fourth Amendment. <laughs> right to non-discrimination. Uh it uh, section seven has a problem that your access to financial services is going to be impacted. All right, so he's got a whole bunch of responses to all these different sections and questions and whatnot like that. And you can, I mean, there's many, many, many of them. All you have to do, and he gives you everything that you need in this piece to be able to go to the Federal Register and post comments about it. Please do so. It's not going to take you any longer than a couple of minutes, right? Just do the hard to make it easy. And if we all do this, it might make our futures easier because if this shit goes through, I don't even know what the hell it means for American citizens because all of this is a violation of at least the first five amendments to the Bill of or the first five amendments of the Bill of Rights that if not if wasn't accepted, would have caused the Constitution of the United States to not be ratified. And therefore, we would not have the United States at all. So please, 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 when you see the Preston Pish piece come up again, do me a favor and do yourselves a favor. Not only repropagate that son of a bitch, but go actually look at it. I know it pops up and there's lots of words. I get it. And we've all got other things to do than to worry about FinCEN. But honestly... This shit, we need to do something about this. Now, Jan Jan 3 has launched a new division to help countries buy Bitcoin. Nick Hoffman, Bitcoin Magazine. Jan 3, a leading Bitcoin technology company, has unveiled its latest venture, Jan 3 Financial, aimed at onboarding nation states and high net worth individuals to Bitcoin, according to a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, nation states and corporations require robust means to acquire Bitcoin. We can offer them bespoke solutions to accumulate their Bitcoin treasury reserves, said Samson Moe, CEO of Jan the third, Jan, Jan the third, Jan three. The expertise of the Jan three team uniquely positions us to meet the distinct needs of our nation state clientele, offering unmatched solutions concerning Bitcoin acquisition, custody, and the high grade security that they demand. So 
Just to give you the long and the short of this, what is Jan3? Well, Jan3 or Jan3 Financial, what I think what Samson Moe has done is over the last couple of years, he's been pretty much enmeshed with El Salvador. He's been to Mexico a few times, I think. I'm pretty sure he's talking to the guys down in Costa Rica. But really his relationship with Nayib Bukele, I think gave him the idea that if they could somehow or another do this as a service where nation states didn't have to figure all this shit out on their own, that that actually might bring more, like he's treating nation states as retail. That's what he's doing. And the thing about Samson, you may love him or you may hate him. The dude is a marketing master and bringing a complete service to a country and be able to go to that country's government and say, look, if you wanted to do this, if you've even been thinking about doing this, we have an entire raft of tools and professionals that will help you do it. And we, or, or we will just do it for you probably for a percentage of what, what's, you know, what's purchased. So, I mean, centralization. Yeah, a little bit. But if more nation states are onboarded to Bitcoin and they're treated like a retail client rather than, oh, it's a government, so it's different. No, it's not fucking different. It's the same shit. You just treat the government like how you're orange pilling grandma because it's probably going to be the same kind of discussion. Samson Moe knows that. So he's just building a full out company to go do that shit. And honestly, I kind of applaud the guy. Now, Unchained is uh, having a little bit of issues here. They're going to pause Bitcoin-backed loans to individuals. Uh, This is out of No BS Bitcoin. Due to external requirements, new loan originations to individual borrowers will be paused beginning January the 1st, 2024. We will continue originating new loans for legal entities such as LLCs or corporations after January the 1st for businesses or investment purposes. Despite having originated thousands of consumer loans and the positive feedback that we've received about the service while to this day experiencing zero loan losses, we have a significant update regarding the availability of this product for consumers. This means that Unchained will not be able to refinance or quote-unquote roll over existing loans beginning January the 1st, 2024, unless a refinance application is submitted by an entity, not an individual, with a stated business or investment purpose. Quote, if your loan has either an investment purpose or a business purpose, you may submit a loan application to Unchained as those will remain eligible for loan types even after January the 1st. By way of example, a Wyoming limited liability company would remain eligible to apply for an Unchained loan for any investment purposes or business purposes even after January the 1st. While consumer lending services will not be available at this time, please note that we are actively working on updating and expanding our consumer loan products and services during this pause. Okay, so what's going on? Well, if you're just Joe on the street and you've got a, a loan with Unchained, because you could get one up until now, well, up, you'll still be able to get one up until January the 1st. If you had one and you want to roll it over and you roll it over after January the 1st and you're just some dude, no. That service is gone. Unchained is cutting that shit loose. 
And there's maybe there's at least two reasons that I could see as to why they would do this, but I don't know. I've ne- never talked to anybody at Unchained. One is they're just not making enough money to keep their boat afloat with retail loans, or it, rather it costs them too much to service. It's just there's not enough return on investment there from the standpoint of keeping a business solvent because you've got to pay these people to do all these things for all these retail people. And two, it may be regulatory. In fact, what I think is it's probably both. A, they they don't make enough money off of an individual loan from someone like me to go do, you know, I don't know, down payment on a house with or something like that to wad a shotgun. And because I'm a United States citizen and I'm just an individual retail, well, uh, the regulatory bloat on top of that, that they'll, that, that could affect them is quite significant as we know. Now unchained, as far as I know, is an American company They're I think they're based out of Austin, Texas, right? So they're a United States company. So it's not like a foreign company dealing with United States citizenry, but still that doesn't make it any easier. And with Warren, Elizabeth Warren running around in her little Pocahontas hat, you know, beating the war drums and doing the rain dance along with Jamie Dimon, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if the guys over at Unchained said, we don't want to have anything to do with that. Because this way they'd be able to put a little bit more of the regulatory burden on the companies, the LLCs, the S-Corps that want loan origination. That's easier to handle, and it probably makes a boatload more money because those loans are going to be much bigger. That's why I think what I think is going on. I don't think Unchained is in trouble, and I don't think that they've had any problems with their loans that they've made so far. But they are getting out of retail. That, that, that's what's going on there. They're getting out of retail. Apple... Going over to the Big Apple, well, not New York, but whatever, Apple confirms government using push notifications for surveillance of users. Unidentified governments, not just the United States, but unidentified governments, plural, are surveilling smartphone users by tracking push notifications that move through Google's and Apple's servers, a United States Senator Wyden warned on Wednesday. In a letter to the DOJ, Senator Ron Wyden said a foreign officials were demanding the data from Alphabet's Google and Apple. The traffic flowing from apps that send push notifications put the companies in a particularly unique position to facilitate government surveillance of how users are using particular apps, Wyden said. He asked the Department of Justice to repeal or modify any policies that hinder public discussion of push notification spying. In a statement, Apple said that Wyden's letter gave them the opening that they needed to share more details with the public about how governments monitored push notifications. Quote, in this case, the federal government prohibited us from sharing any information at all. This is the United States government. Now that this method has become public, we are updating our transparency reporting to detail these kinds of requests. A source familiar with the matter confirmed that both foreign and United States government agencies have been asking Apple and Google for metadata related to push notifications. The data is said to have been used to attempt to tie anonymous users of messaging apps to specific Apple and Google accounts. 
Reuters source would not identify which governments were making the data requests, but described them as democracies allied to the United States of America. They did not know how long the requests had been going on for. Apple advises developers not to include sensitive data in notifications and to encrypt any data before adding it to a notification payload. Earlier this year, French developer David Leibu said users and developers were often unaware of how their apps emitted data to the United States tech giants via push notifications, calling them a privacy nightmare. Yes, push notifications on your phone or those notifications that just pop up and say, hey, this thing occurred. Like uh, Life360 is a family tracking app that will track the GPS coordinates of like your daughter and your son's phone. And every time that one of your family members that's in that group changes location, it sends a push notification. Yeah, you don't, that's, that's, that's bad. Because that push notification is leaky. And now it's tied all four of you assholes together in a group and knows where all of you are at any given time. See how that works? Now multiply that by all the rest of the push notifications that you might have enabled or not disabled on your phone. Seriously, guys, stop, stop that shit. Now, lastly, stacker.news has introduced territories or user generated subs. Think subreddit, no BS, Bitcoin.com. You can now create your own subs, AKA Territories. Note, this is just a minimal viable product. It's probably only 5% of what we have planned for territories, announced Kube. While we will definitely be iterating on territories, you might have noticed we are prioritizing legal. It's all a work in progress, but our focus for the next few weeks will be on wallet stuff. We haven't exactly figured out any plans yet, but we, you can expect more non-custodial support at the very least. So, how it works. Users can create their own territories from the drop-down in the menu bar. Founders of a new territory can choose to pay either 100,000 sats per month, 1 million sats per year, or 3 million sats at once. Oh my God. They can also define other parameters of the territory, such as cost per post. Currently, 50% of all revenue made by the territory is paid to the founder at the end of the day, Texas time. The other 50% goes to rewards. Quote, this split will eventually be configurable. For instance, the founder gets 100% of revenue or rewards get 100% of the revenue. The territory's revenue is the revenue Satoshi, or sorry, stacker.news, would ordinarily collect 100% posting cost, 10% of zaps, 100% of boosts was explained in the announcement. Planned features for territories include seamless cross-posting and retroactive cross-posting between territories. Subreddit hated that or subreddits hate that shit. Subscribing slash unsubscribing to territories. Ability to create territories within other territories, like a subreddit of a subreddit. That should be interesting. Uh, More post types, more economic parameters. So if you haven't uh, checked this shit out from stacker.news, please go do so. I I love stacker.news. 
I'm always posting the show. Uh, when I put up a show announcement, it always goes to Stacker News at least, uh, if not to a whole bunch of other places. Um, so go check it out. I think that the the prices may be a little steep. And honestly, we got to wrap our heads around how we price things in Satoshis versus USD given USD to Satoshi uh, volatility. Sure, I know. I, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying volatility is bad, but it can be very, very confusing. And honestly, God, a, you know, a million sats a year, shit, that's, Christ, that could be generational wealth for a territory. So I'm not exactly, uh, I'll have to look. But this is very much like a subreddit over at Reddit. Now, you've heard me talk about satellite.earth. They've got the same kind of thing. And what's nice about Nostra clients like nostrudel.ninja is that the communities that are created over there in satellite.earth are represented and you're able to interact with those communities on nostrudel.ninja. And neither one of those guys, they're not the same guy. It's not the same developer set. There is, it's cross-performant in a way. So I can just I can go to nostrudel.ninja and I can interact with the permaculture community that was set up on satellite.earth and the only way you get to do this is with the communications protocol we have come to know as Noster. That's right. So my question becomes will stacker.news will the territories end up being something that I can get to from somewhere else. And if I zap a user inside of a territory, will stacker.news be able to execute their financial splits on that zap if it came from another client other than stacker.news? I I submit that at one point or another, the answer to that question is going to be yes. If and it will definitely be yes, if there, if this, if the, uh, <clears throat> if territories is built at least with respect to the Nostra protocol, if not built entirely on top of it, we'll have to see because they didn't say anything about that here. But, 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 Reddit is dying, just like Twitter is dying, and Nostra takes place or takes the place of both of them and a whole lot more. I'm telling you guys, if you're listening to me and you're still not on Noster, you need to do yourself a favor. And I mean, like, right freaking now, go get on Noster. Get yourself a set of keys. Make sure you keep them safe. You know, keep them secret. Keep them safe. You know, the whole Bilbo Baggins and Frodo Baggins thing with Gandalf. Do the same thing. Keep them secret. Keep them safe. Start using it. Claim your namespace. Do it now because all the, this, everything in the world is on fire. And if you want to have any kind of voice whatsoever in the future, it's going to have to be with Bitcoin as money and Noster as general communications because these things are both so wrapped up in the internet. They're so lightweight when it comes to moving data around that the only way to shut either or of them down is to shut down the internet. And if you want to see cities burn, 
you go ahead and shut down the internet, and then I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.